0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.54 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 5th of April, 2022. This is episode 569 of Bitcoin and under executive order of the president. All persons are required to deliver on or before May the 1st all gold coin, gold bullion, and gold certificates now owned by them to a Federal Reserve Bank, branch, or agency or to any member bank of the Federal Reserve System. Executive order 6102. 89 years ago today, ladies and gentlemen, 89 years ago today, April the 5th, 1933, the well-known 6102 executive order was issued and pretty much America was destroyed. Well, I was about to say destroyed on that day, but honestly, it was destroyed at least in 1913, if not before then, but we've got other things to do. MicroStrategy has purchased an additional 4,167 Bitcoin for $190.5 million at an average price of $45,714 per Bitcoin. As of yesterday, MicroStrategy 129, what 129,218 Bitcoin acquired for $3.97 billion at an average price of $30,000. $700 per Bitcoin MicroStrategy. That's right. They have completed their purchase of Bitcoin with what I assume to be the proceeds from the $205 million loan that macro strategy has actually done. Um, so there you go. It looks like they've they've done that. So they're holding, if they got 205 million and they spent 190, then they've got fifteen million in reserve and I'm not sure exactly what they're gonna do with it. I assume there's probably, you know, some lawyer fees and stuff like that, but certainly not fifteen million dollars worth. So I guess they're just kinda, you know, I don't know, stacking fuel. I who knows? Well, but right now let's fly down to very, very south central Texas, Laredo, Texas. For those of you who don't know the anatomy of Texas, Laredo, Texas is sitting pretty much on the border of the United States and Mexico, uh, uh, pretty far down on the uh, southern horn of what you would call the southern horn of Texas. It is not a very large town, okay? So that's important to note when we get into this one by Jorge A Vela. From the laredo morning times laredo bank to offer bitcoin savings planned for employees the extent to which digital currency has grown is significant in recent years it is something many people are using between each other as well as investing in some businesses are already accepting forms of cryptocurrency for payment now one bank in local operations Plans to offer digital currency as part of their employees' savings plan. Laredo's Vantage Bank is planning to offer a new way for their employees to have a savings plan with the company as they plan to step away from traditional savings plans if the employee wishes to do so in exchange for a digital currency savings plan. The new savings plans work with the most well-known cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. Quote, The idea for the Bitcoin Savings Plan was something presented to us by one of our partners, Vantage Bank Chief Human Resources Officer Eric Thompson, uh, said it is a program they launched and asked if we would be interested in participating. The new program, NYDIG's Bitcoin Savings Plan, is a simple and a secure way for people to invest in Bitcoin. I'm pausing here so that we understand the importance of what just happened. NYDIG is a partner with Laredo Vantage Bank. That's a long distance relationship, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, Laredo Vantage Bank is not all that big. It's not. It's not in a great big city. Laredo is not huge. It's not entirely like, it's not tiny. It's not like a freaking rural town or anything like that. But come on, it, is, it ain't Dallas. It's not Houston. It's not Chicago. It's not anything like that. And here we have Nideg partnering with Vantage Bank, and all of a sudden, Laredo Vantage Bank, way down here in South—well, way down there in South Texas—is uh, now partner or, or is now offering their Bitcoin savings plan uh, package to its employees. The new pro, <clears throat> sorry, according to Thompson, the Bitcoin savings plan lets employees automatically convert a portion of each paycheck to Bitcoin. The Bitcoin is then held on NYDIG's institutional-grade custody platform, which meets the highest security and regulatory standards. The implication of the employee program makes the bank one of the first, if not the first bank in the state of Texas to have such a savings plan program for employees. In a time when many people are looking for the best employer with top benefits, the human resources officer thinks this is a good way to go. Yeah, probably is. Quote, We are excited to be part of a number of organizations across the country offering this program, Thompson said. During this great resignation, attracting and retaining top talent has been especially challenging. Focusing on our employees and the benefits we offer help make Vantage Bank Texas an employer of choice for current and potential employees, end quote. The CEO of the company has also praised the new program for expanding on its benefits, which help retain local talent as well, quote. Part of the offering our team members, the or sorry, part of offering our team members the most comprehensive benefits package possible is making sure we evolve with new financial technologies. As part of that, we are also providing associates with education about Bitcoin, sharing the risks and considerations that should be evaluated before directing their post do- tax dollars to a Bitcoin savings plan in quote, says the president or CEO. According to the bank, the implementation of the new savings program reinforces the financial evolution of cryptocurrency and how employers are adapting to offer competitive benefits packages for employees. Thompson said that although the new savings plan will be offered, the bank continues to offer the traditional savings plans that they have always done throughout the years. Quote, the Bitcoin plan is just one of the many savings programs we provide our employees and all employees have the opportunity to participate in a 401k plan where the bank matches a portion of their contribution, as well as an employee stock option or stock ownership plan in quote Vantage Bank chief business architect shared services, Sean main EVP says the bank does not currently allow customers to buy directly sell directly or trade directly cryptocurrencies. However, The company executive does say they will offer educational tools for their employees to understand the new technology better. Quote, Vantage Bank Texas is focused on educating our employees, researching the technology, and learning how the blockchain will best support our, God, stop saying blockchain, will best support our customers and their financial needs. We are also actively engaged with the Texas Blockchain Council to better understand the technology and its future potential within our monetary system our partnership with NYDIG is just one example of how we are working to educate our employees on this transformative technology, In quote. Uh, the, the bank does say that the technology is most popular among younger people as well, who would have guessed. Data by the bank shows that NIDIG's 2022 survey showed more than one third of workers between the ages of 18 and 29 are interested in earning some of their salary in Bitcoin. And this was echoed in Vantage Bank's experience as more employees were requesting the Bitcoin savings plan option, the bank stated in a press release. Sean says that when it comes to the employees choosing whether to invest in digital currency or simply investing regular for their savings plan, they should consult with their personal financial planners to determine which option is best for them. Also, just like any other savings plan, Thompson says employees can withdraw funds at any time just as they would with any savings account already in existence. Vantage Bank Texas has two locations in Laredo and they give their addresses, but you don't need to know that. Okay, so there's a couple of things here. One, not your keys, not your coins. If you are an employee of Laredo Vantage Bank and you're gonna take part of this, you need to be sure that you're able to actually get your Bitcoin out of this thing and you need to test that. All right. Now, I from what I understand, NIDIG does allow that. I don't know. There it's not said if this is like a special implementation of NIDIG's Bitcoin savings plan. I don't think it would be, but I'm pretty sure that you can self-custody out of NIDIG, but I'm not sure. If I'm wrong about that, please somebody correct my ass. Also, uh it can't be stressed enough how they reiterated several times the importance of education, of Bitcoin, of their employees. Not the general public at large, but their employees. What does that mean? Well, that means that they, they turn their bank into a kind of like a Bitcoin school. If their employees are educated in how this stuff works, then their employees their employees are are the front lines the employees are customer facing so when a customer comes and they have any questions about bitcoin or the possibility of asking about the possibility of like do you, can i custody my bitcoin with you by the way don't do that always self custody if you can but it is going to happen that people are going to come to this bank and they will start asking questions about bitcoin and Laredo Vantage Bank will have employees that are educated in Bitcoin. That's a that's kind of a huge deal. And I don't think that's NYDIG's thing. I think that that's actually the executives at this particular bank realizing that without education, this uh, this entire thing doesn't work as well as as it should. So I'm actually kind of bullish here on on Laredo Vantage Bank and their attitude towards this whole thing. Not only are they allowing their customer or their, their employees access to it, but they are wanting to educate their employees. And we're talking about a, a small bank in a small Texas town that's about as close, which is about as far south in the United States as you can possibly get, and definitely married to... Mexico. Why? Because it sits on the Rio Grande River. That's the border between Texas and Mexico. There's, If you've ever been to Texas and and looked at how porous the border is, people keep talking about the border wall and all that shit. That's not going to do anything. The border is porous. It will always be, be porous because it's always been porous. And I've witnessed whole groups of Mexicans g- crossing the Rio Grande to go to a Dollar General. And guess what? They go, they cross back. It's not borders are not what people think they are. Regions and watersheds are what's Im- sort of more important here. And these people go to the Dollar General because Dollar General has stuff and it's cheap and they can, they can buy stuff there. And then they go back across the border. And this happens from, you know, El Paso all the way down to Brownsville, Texas which are the two extreme ends of Texas, of Texas towns that border the United or the Texas border and Mexico's border. If at one point or another, it's probably going to happen that Mexican citizens are in, in the border regions are able to start accessing United States banking technology, especially with Bitcoin being in the mix, Well, we've got a whole different ballgame on our hand as far as regions and what borders mean and porosity of borders and border walls and all that kind of shit. And Laredo Bank, I guarantee you, services, Mexican customers, I guarantee you, this shit is happening right in front of our eyes and a hell of a lot faster than I think any of us actually saw coming. Now, this one from Yusef Nasseri, building Bitcoin communities in El Salvador and beyond from Bitcoin Magazine. I've dedicated the last decade of my life to philanthropy, but since launching the Built with Bitcoin Foundation with my co-founder, Ray Youssef, I've had the opportunity to learn more about what Bitcoin can do for the people who need it most. I can only speak based on my experiences and from the conversations I've had with the communities that I've served, but I've seen firsthand how Bitcoin can be a catalyst toward freedom. In building Bitcoin communities, one important lesson I've learned is that people won't adopt something that they don't understand. Remember, let's go back to Laredo, Vantage Bank and employee education on Bitcoin. Therefore, within the villages we work, we not only build schools, but we build communities providing resources and education for locals, showing them how Bitcoin can help and enrich their daily lives and how it could also be a means of finally attaining financial freedom our recent project in El Salvador speaks to this. In late 2021, we had the opportunity to work alongside Bitcoin Magazine to raise funds for a community two and a half hours outside San Salvador called Isla Tasajera. In this community, 1,500 plus people, there is only one school, no banks, no hospital, and no supermarkets. Our mission was to transform the island community by repairing the local school, providing resources for financial education and access to clean water, technology, and transportation through a Bitcoin boat. Through the power of Bitcoin and the generous Bitcoin Magazine community, we were able to accomplish this and lay the groundwork for a community that will continue to thrive long after our work is no longer needed. But the success of any community extends far beyond just one project. The most significant metric of success in the relationship that we are able to create with those living in these communities, it's about building a project that's sustainable and lasts for generations to come. And it was this island's community leader, Don Walter, who told us that they were willing and ready to work with Bitcoin. On the island, there are only two types of jobs, tortuga, turtle farmers, or fishermen. Walter shared that the Tortuga farmers were eager to learn how to use Bitcoin to increase their earnings, help with remittances, and increase the long-term value of the $300 that they made each month during Tortuga season, which lasts June through December. Knowing very little about Bitcoin, they were willing to put their trust in us to show them the way toward a better quality of life. That's the most powerful thing about Bitcoin. It has the power to change lives for the better. I look forward to the opportunity to share more stories working with communities all around the world on the Genesis stage this year's Bitcoin 2022 conference, because all of us can do better. We can all listen, learn, and understand more by doing this together. In my personal belief, this is what Satoshi Nakamoto wanted Bitcoin user interaction to be, person to person, human being to human being, and community to community so there's a little bit more from our 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 good buddy yousef naseri out of uh the el salvador community i've reported on this guy a couple of times uh we've read a, you know more than a few stories about this but it's just this stuff is starting to break loose when even turtle farmers in on an island off of the coast of el salvador are interested in bitcoin because At this point, there's just no other way. There just isn't for, I mean, anybody at that level of subsistence that's still relying on anything remotely resembling the legacy financial system knows that they're in trouble. And when people are in trouble, they start looking for a way out. And Bitcoin seems to be the way out, uh, unless you're MailChimp. MailChimp Insider targets Trezor, crypto wallets and phishing scam, Tim Hockey decrypt.co An exploit exploit an exploit of MailChimp's newsletter databases resulted in Trezor users being targeted by a malicious phishing scam. The compromise was allegedly perpetrated by a MailChimp insider Trezor reported trezor is a hardware wallet crypto provider yes we know let's move on the wallet provider gives user a recovery c between 12 and 24 words yes we know let's move on on sunday trezor tweeted that it was investigating a potential data breach of an opt-in newsletter hosted on mailchimp and told users not to open any email originating from no reply at trezor.us again that's no reply at trezor.us It is a phishing domain. Shortly after, Trezor confirmed that MailChimp had been compromised by an insider targeting crypto companies. In a short thread, the company explained that it had taken the phishing domain offline and will not be communicating by newsletter until the situation is resolved. Yesterday, Trezor shared a follow-up blog post about the phishing attacks. It described them as ongoing and includes screenshots of the malicious phishing uh, email. The post also contains guidance for affected users. It is currently unclear whether any funds have been successfully stolen in the scam. Despite its promises of advanced security, Web3 is not immune to attacks. Phishing attacks are relatively easy for cyber criminals to pull off because if the phishing site or correspondence looks convincing, Users can involuntarily end up sending their details to malicious actors. In the Trezor case, the actor was a male chimp insider. Last month, several users of the popular NFT marketplace OpenSea reported having NFTs and Ethereum stolen from their wallets in an attack that looted $1.7 million in crypto. OpenSea CEO David Finzer said the team doesn't believe it's connected to the OpenSea website. And that some 32 users had signed a malicious payload from an attacker that looked like official correspondence, but it was indeed a phishing scam. And last week, the price of ApeCoin, oh for fuck's sake, sank 8% after Bored Ape Yacht Club's Discord channel was compromised in its own phishing scam. The BAYC team's Twitter account told users to not mint anything from a Discord right now. A webhook in our Discord was briefly compromised. Jesus, just goes on and on and on, but it also seems that this may uh, be related to an email that I got myself. Uh, Bitmex has a uh, apparently has a Mailchimp security issue. I got this email this morning, and I'm not exactly sure why the hell Bitmex is sending me emails because I don't trade. You guys know that. I don't trade. I don't even have a BitMEX account. So how the hell they got my shit, I don't know. So it says, we are contacting you because one of our email marketing vendors, MailChimp, has informed us of a security breach they experienced that may have resulted in the exposure to your email address to a malicious actor. So even BitMEX is experiencing this. This was emailed to me at 4.57 a.m. Central Daylight Time, roughly four hours ago from now. So it's not just Trezor. Apparently this is, and we're probably going to find out more. So what the interesting thing here is, how do you know it was a MailChimp insider? And if you have a job right now, why the hell would you, you know, I don't know. Why would you screw that up? by getting caught using your position inside Mailchimp to run a freaking phishing scam unless you're a plant and and at that point that's not outside the realm of possibility but be aware people at least at this point we've got Trezor and Bitmex on deck for a Mailchimp insider phishing scam so be very very careful out there and be careful with this guy and what he says what Elon Musk's investment could mean for Twitter's crypto plans. Ezra Reguera is writing it for Cointelegraph. Whenever Elon Musk does something on Twitter, the crypto market moves in response. Publishing a tweet, changing his profile picture, or adding Bitcoin in his bio affects the markets. Yeah, that's because the massive amounts of humanity are apparently fucking idiots. The latter, even more so, sending Bitcoin uh, price up by 20%. This is why the community lies in anticipation of what Musk's Twitter investment could mean for the crypto industry. Who cares? Recent filings show that Tesla CEO Elon Musk purchased 9.2% stake on Twitter. This makes him the largest stakeholder in the platform. The news instantly pumped Twitter shares by more than 22% in early trading and sent Dogecoin near a two-month high. Ken Lee, investment director at Binance Labs, told Cointelegraph that Musk's investment can help push the platform's crypto initiatives forward and even lead to the integration of Doge within the platform. Pausing here to remind you people this. they are probably They've already integrated Ethereum. All right, so Doge is, is not far behind, all right? This they're going to turn into a shitcoin site, and it's not, and and it wouldn't have taken Elon Musk to get in there to turn it into a shitcoin site. It's gonna happen, all right. So if you know, if you hear the word Doge a few times through here, just remember it was inevitable, with, with or without Elon. Okay. According to Lee, quote, Elon Musk's investment in Twitter could help. Increase the acceleration of Twitter's crypto adoption and it remains to be seen whether Twitter will begin adopting Elon's beloved Dogecoin moving forward. He also explained that, quote, Elon has always been very public about the concept of a more decentralized and censorship resistant social media platform. And this is something that blockchain and God forbid web three technology can help enable, end quote. Now I'm going to go ahead and stop this one right here because we all know Elon's how how Elon asks or acts. he The way he acts, what he does, what he says, when he says it, the fact that he doesn't seem to give a shit, that he wrecked a whole thousands upon tens of thousands of people when he started pumping Doge. Okay? He wrecked a lot of people. They were buying in anywhere between 55 cents and when it got up to 72 cents. And they're chilling out at anywhere between 14 and 16 cents right now and that shit's never going to recover past 35. Of course I say never, but you know, foolishness abounds in either event. What what's the real issue here? The real issue here is that we have one guy buys one stake that is the largest stake of any of the other stakeholders of a centralized company and all of a sudden he's going to change it or people are assuming that he's going to change it. Any any might be able to, I'll, even though he's supposed to be a non-participating stakeholder, he's probably going to start changing shit somehow. Because, why? Well, just in, Twitter appoints Elon Musk to its board, its board of directors, not Board Ape Club, all right? Board of directors. Uh, vendor Singh has it for CoinApe, or sorry, CoinGape.com. Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal has announced on Tuesday appointing Tesla CEO Elon Musk to its board of directors. After acquiring nearly a, two, uh, not, uh, a 9.2% share in microblogging website Twitter, Elon Musk has become the largest stakeholder in the company. <clears throat> Twitter CEO Prague Agrawal announces in a tweet, On April the 5th, regarding the appointment of Tesla's CEO Elon Musk to the board of directors, seeing or sorry, agreeing on bringing great value to its board. Great success. Under the new position, Musk will serve as a class two director until 2024. Quote, I'm excited to share that we're appointing Elon Musk to our board. Uh, Through conversations with Elon in recent weeks, it's become clear to us that he would bring great value to our board, end quote. According to a filing with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, Elon Musk will not seek more than 14.9% ownership in Twitter during his serving time on the board and 90 days after the service period. Commenting on the passion and critic personality of, uh, of, of Elon Musk, CEO, uh, C- Twitter CEO Parang said, He's both a passionate believer and intense critic of the service, which is exactly what we need on Twitter and in the boardroom to make us stronger in the long term. Welcome, Elon, end quote. Recently, he he acquired the stake in Twitter despite his continuous dissatisfaction with lack of free speech on the platform. Moreover, after acquiring a majority stake, Musk polled about creating an edit button on Twitter or whatever, dude. This is not the, the most well-written article I've ever read. Anyway, all right, so again, we've got a guy who's got billions of dollars that uh, if you're listening in the United States, he was made a billionaire off the backs of your tax dollars through subsidies to his bullshit companies that still have yet to frickin' turn a profit as far as I can tell if you subtract the subsidies out of the balance sheet. That said, now he's got enough money to go in and be the largest shareholder of Twitter, and he's going to start changing it. Even though he's non-participatory, 24 hours after this was announced, he's made a director or he's put on the board of directors. How, how much more participatory can you get than sitting on the board of directors? That's as about as participatory as it comes, ladies and gentlemen, and he's supposed to be non-participatory. So the whole thing is already bullshit and smells like horse manure of the highest, highest regard. Okay. It's ridiculous. So one guy centralized thing and people wonder why we Bitcoin. I just, I, I. I I don't get it. I I really don't. This is the reason we Bitcoin is for ex, is because exactly this. This is exactly the reason that we Bitcoin. This is exactly the reason that we're continuously harp on decentralization so that shit like this doesn't happen. But I get the feeling that you know, Parang or however you pronounce the CEO of Twitter, however you pronounce his name. He doesn't understand that the largest stakeholder that he possibly could have ever listened to inside or outside of the boardroom was us. Why did why did they need one guy to come tell them how to change shit? We've been screaming at them for years for free speech, for non-censorship. For, being, for trying to be as nonpartisan of any party as it could possibly be. What is it that Elon will say that carries more weight than millions of users? When your CEO admits that he doesn't give a shit about his customer base, but he does give a shit about one single billionaire, all is fucking lost. Let's run the numbers. CNBC.com forward slash futures and commodities. Oil, West Texas Intermediate, up 0.37% to $103.67. Brent North Sea, up half a point, $108.12. Well, that's a pretty big spread, dude. Natural gas up 7.25% to $6.12 per 1,000 cubic feet. Gasoline up just barely to $3.19 per gallon. Gold is up a quarter of a point to $1,938. Silver up one and a quarter to $24.89. Platinum is down 1.2%. Copper is up a third and palladium is up 1.19%. Agricultural futures are pretty much all up and the biggest winner is wheat. 4.38% 4.38% to the upside. Soybean following right behind at one56 to the upside. Corn, no, oh, nope, just flipped. Corn is now the winner. Uh, 1.83% to the upside. We got sugar up scant. Coffee up scant. Cotton just kind of fell a little bit. Rough rice is up and chocolate is up, but not by a whole lot. Dow down 0.16%. S&P down a half. NASDAQ down one and a third. And, oh... S&P mini down 1 1.14%, holy smokes man. Real money is at what is it? It's at $46,249.94. 284,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is just under 12,000 transactions every hour on the hour with just over half a million BTC trading hands in that 24 hour period. That's 21,800 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 1.84 BTC, a median transaction value that is low at 0.013 BTC or 608 bucks. Block times likewise also low nine minutes and four seconds, 0.07 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 11 and a third BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. Holy shit. We may have another all-time high in hash rate. A 15.25% in ExaHash has put us at, sorry, 15.25% upside swing in hash rate gives us a 232.7 exahashes per second. And I click on this and we're going to look and see what the hell's going on. Did we hit a new all-time high? Let's see, what was the other all-time high? 229.4 is what I'm getting out of bitinfocharts.com on their Bitcoin hash rate. So the historical chart, February the 13th, shows 229.4 exahashes per second. And we just hit 235. Is it 200? Yes, yeah, just resubmit the damn form. Oh, for God's sake, hold on for a sec. Eh, bit info charts, Where gonna get me my, my charts. Gotta have my charts, bro, gotta have my charts. So where were we at? Yep, looks like we've hit an all time high on hash rate, 232.7 exahashes per second. Congratulations, ladies and gentlemen. And Doge, your shitcoin indicator, 15.6 United States pennies. And it's all because one guy who made all of his money off of your tax dollars bought the largest stake in Twitter. That's how jacked up of a world we live in right now. 9,000 transactions waiting on six blocks to clear. $873.4 billion is the market capitalization of Bitcoin, which is 6.87% of gold's entire market cap. You may, if you choose, purchase 23.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,003,310.93 in circulation, and 3,691 of those are tied up in the Lightning Network valued at $169.6 million, being run over 19,710 nodes sporting 84,730 total payment channels 74.3% of all of that is being run over TOR's 11,685 associated Lightning Network nodes, and that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. United States authorities seize $34 million in crypto linked to illegal dark web activity. Scott Cipollina has it for Decrypt.co. Federal prosecutors in Miami, Florida, have seized $34 million worth of cryptocurrency in what has been described as one of the largest cryptocurrency forfeiture actions ever filed by the United States. According to the United States Department of Justice, law enforcement identified a South Florida resident raking in millions via an online alias selling stolen account information on the dark web from services like HBO, Netflix, and Uber. The individual used crypto tumblers, services that obfuscate individuals from their cryptocurrency transactions to launder their holdings. This was done by pooling together multiple crypto transactions and distributing the holdings to designated wallets at random times and in random increments. The DOJ confirmed that law enforcement agencies several crypto wallets connected with the South Florida resident's illegal dark web activity. The seizure of 34 million dollars worth of crypto resulted from Operation Tornado. <laughs> operation Tornado has is is the operation is capital has a capital O. Tornado is an opera, is a uppercase T O R. So Tor. All right. So that that kind of makes me a little nervous here. Anyway, this investigation utilized federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies including FBI, the DEA, and Homeland Security. In turn, investigation stems from the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Forces. The OCDETFs principal mission is to identify, disrupt and dismantle the highest level drug traffickers, money launderers and other priority transnational criminal organizations that threaten the citizens of the United States. Asset Forfeiture Division Assistant, United States Attorney Mitch Hyman, alongside Deputy Chief Nicole Groznoff and Deputy Chief Nalina Sombrotham prosecuted this case. Monique Botero, Chief of the Southern District of Florida's International Money Laundering and Narcotics Section, is the lead prosecutor for Operation NATO. So Florida man gets jacked again, I, you know, who knows. I, it just bugs me. What's bugging me here is that we have an Asset Forfeiture Division. We've been having a lot of problems with, with you know, cops just do an asset, you know, civil asset forfeiture. And, you know, clearly there was always going to be an asset forfeiture division. But when you actually read it out loud to yourself, it, uh, what a world. Why Bitcoin miners keep huddling amid massive growth. Zach Vohl tells us more about mining and mining's keepers from Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin has traded between 30,000 and 50 grand from the start of 2022 to date. During that time, the mining industry has grown by leaps and bounds, as evidenced by steadily increasing difficulty and well over 200 exahashes of total compute power. But regardless of price and other metrics, new blocks and their rewards keep coming at a pace of roughly 900 new Bitcoin mined per day with the current 6.25 BTC subsidy per block. So what are miners doing with their coins? Well, for the most part, they're still hodling. The Bitcoin Bitcoin holdings secured by mining entities are an often discussed talking point in social media and by cryptocurrency news media. Despite frequent, frequent misrepresentations about miners crashing the price, a topic to debunk another time, miner holdings are rarely broken down into their appropriate categories. Zero hop, and one hop addresses represent two distinct groups of mining related addresses. The first group consists of addresses that have been directly sent the mining subsidy and transaction fees from a given block reward. These are the mining entities that receive the reward. Sometimes this group includes self miners that earn the reward themselves. Other times it represents pools or joint venture mining operations that are obligated to disperse some or all of the mining reward to other parties. One hop addresses are represented by this second group because as the name implies, their funds are one transaction or one hop away from the original entity that received the block reward. Differentiating this data is important because it clarifies how on-chain behavior appears versus what might be actually happening since both of those address owners do not share ultimate ownership over the same coins, nor Do spends from their addresses reflect the same type of behavior? For example, a zero-hop address sending Bitcoin to another address could be interpreted as spending or selling when odds are good that the mining entity is simply transferring payouts to a pool miner or venture partner. At the time of writing, on-chain data shows zero-hop addresses holding a total of 1,799,590 BTC and one hop addresses holding 2.5 million BTC. Zero hop balances have seen an aggregate balance increase of roughly 1% over the past 12 months. But while these mining entities are slowly growing their holdings, one hop addresses have been gradually shedding theirs one hop addresses saw an aggregate balance decrease of 8% over the same period. The chart below shows total balances of zero hop and one hop addresses from the time of writing and the date one year prior. And indeed it shows that there are more addresses uh, or more more balances and addresses of one hop addresses than zero hop addresses. In short, mining entities still hold massive amounts of Bitcoin and there's no large scale selling going on, nor has there been for quite some time, but some miners are gradually selling small amounts of Bitcoin likely to hedge exposure to price price volatility, to fund expansion efforts or other reasons. But as with on-chain data analysis, connecting real world entities to on-chain addresses is never done with absolute certainty. All on-chain data, especially data sets that aim to connect on-chain addresses with real world entities should be interpreted within a framework of understanding the data is created on a best effort and reasonable estimate basis. Adding additional context to historical minor holding data, the chart below visualizes the percentage changes and balances on zero hop and one hop addresses over the past 12 months. Put side by side in the same chart, the percentage difference is more apparent. But despite the one-hop balance decrease, this segment of mining entities still holds well over 2.5 million BTC. The truth is that not much robust market analysis can actually be derived from analyzing miner balances unless something is wrong and miners start selling en masse. Miners hold and sell off and on through every type of market all year long, but their collective effect on the price movement of Bitcoin is negligible. Consider that on average, miners will earn 900 BTC each day for solving an average of 144 blocks every 24 hours. At the time of writing, this amount would have a market value of roughly $42 million dollars. FTX, currently the third largest exchange by 24-hour volume, reports $2.4 billion in daily volume. Even if every Satoshi of those daily rewards were sold instantly, the total effect on the market price would be barely noticeable. Continued accumulation by miners is always a healthy signal, however, Mild selling is to be expected as miners expand their operation and take some profits for their holdings, but miner balances is important data to observe if something goes wrong with the market. Given all of the infrastructure costs and operational expenses that miners incur, they are one of the most heavily leveraged bullish entities in the entire Bitcoin industry. As such, seeing steady levels of holdings with occasional minor fluctuations is good. But if miners, given their investment in the industry and infrastructure, start selling in mass, something is probably seriously wrong with Bitcoin. Miners that continue to hold and accumulate, however, can make every other type of investor feel a little safer and a bit more bullish too, even if the price isn't trading at all time highs. Mining is the mechanism. For introducing new supply to the Bitcoin market, and given the significant capital and operational expenses incurred by miners, frequently turning over their inventory, like selling Bitcoin, is pretty common. Foundry's senior vice president, Kevin Zhang, for example, posted on Twitter about how, in 2014, the mining operations he managed would sell 2,000 BTC per month to cover costs. But despite this required selling, miners are also habitual long-term holders and any downward fluctuation in their aggregate holdings are usually pretty minor. After all, miners weren't bullish, if, sorry, after all, if miners weren't bullish, it'd be hard for anyone else to be. I disagree with that last, with that last thing. I mean, producers of oil don't, I mean, producers of oil sell their oil. It doesn't make me less bullish on energy markets. Now, People who create steel sell their steel, and that doesn't faze that doesn't me. Lumber. There, I, I read a story the other day that there's a lumber yard that literally has to cut production because they've produced so much lumber that they've had to store it on site, and their inventory space is now completely filled up. And that's probably like they've tarped as much two by four as they possibly can tarp outside and they've got no more tarps. And the reason that they have run out of inventory space is that the supply chain is so jacked that they can't actually get the lumber that they've sold off of their lot and onto trucks. And those trucks take them to Home Depot to sell them to Home Depot who has already purchased all this fucking lumber. So they can't actually mill any more lumber. Does this make me less bullish on lumber. No, you cut the tree, you saw the tree, you turn it into two by four and whatnot. And then you put it on a truck and you sell it. I'm not as freaked out about when miners sell their Bitcoin as everybody else seems to be. So that's the one thing that I kind of dis... It's not that I disagree with Zach, sure, it's more bullish when, when miners hold, but if we get used to that situation mentally and then all of a sudden miners start selling and it's like, oh my God, it's a just dis- complete destruction and you sell your Bitcoin, well, you probably deserve to lose your Bitcoin. Now, <clears throat> The Biggest Future BTC Whale explains why Bitcoin was chosen for Decentralized Forex Reserve, William Suberg, Cointelegraph. Trigger warning, this is going to be about Doe Kwon and that whole Terra USD stablecoin, but we do need to keep track of it because he keeps buying a whole shitload more BTC than, than I was ever even imagining. So let's get into it. BTC is the collateral asset of choice for the world's biggest decentralized stablecoin and one of its top executives says that there was no other speaking to bloomberg on monday du quan co-founder of blockchain protocol terra pledged to continue buying btc to back the firm's stablecoin terra usd also known as ust terra has made waves inside and outside the crypto community in recent weeks thanks to its massive Bitcoin buys. Currently, at just over 30,000 BTC, the reserves of Terra nonprofit, uh, the Luna Foundation Guard, are due to expand to the equivalent of $10 billion. In his latest comments, however, Kwon went even further, saying that as long as UST is minted, Terra will keep buying BTC to back it quote One important thing to remember about what we're going what's going on here is that this is not a corporate treasury decision in the sense that I am not buying Bitcoin," he told Bloomberg Television., quote, "I've already donated money so that we can build up these reserves on behalf of the community and we plan to be doing this in perpetuity. So the three billion dollars or so that we that we're buying initially to bootstrap the reserves is going to be followed up by, Persistent buys of Bitcoin through UST seniorage. Every time UST is minted, there will be new Bitcoin that is added to the reserves. End quote. As a decentralized stablecoin, anyone can mint UST by burning one dollar worth of another decentralized asset, Quan explained. UST is the largest decentralized stablecoin with a market cap of around 16.5 billion dollars. Tether, the largest stablecoin as a whole, has a market cap of 82 billion quote the easy way to understand this is that we're using bitcoin to create a decentralized foreign exchange reserve for the terra stablecoin active on twitter quan has previously pledged to overshadow any form of competition no, notably MakerDAO's dai stablecoin the luna foundation guard or otherwise known as lfg is well in the green as terra co-founder du quan stresses he is not capable of moving bitcoin markets while cryptically telling followers that he was just getting started last week, Kwan has yet to give any further concrete details regarding the time frame of BTC buys. The wallet belonging to LFG last saw inflows on Wednesday with 30,727 BTC. It is the 29th largest BTC address. Once complete, Terra's reserves will outgun those of any corporate treasury and will make Quan and his team the largest Bitcoin whale. So be careful with this guy. And by the way, does anybody know who Du Quan actually is? What he did before all this? Where he came from? Where he's worked? Does anybody know anything at all about this dude? Because all I ever hear about Du Quan is how much Bitcoin that he's buying for Luna for Terra stablecoin via the Luna Foundation, whatever. So somebody please tell me where Duquan came from and I will continue to report on the news. Trudeau Challenger wants Canada to embrace Bitcoin. Jeff John Roberts has it for decrypt.co Pierre Poyevre, however you pronounce his name, a front runner to lead Canada's opposition Conservative Party, bought a a shawarma sandwich on the campaign trail last week and paid for it with Bitcoin. The move was part of a larger push by him, who is running to challenge Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's Liberal Party in the next election to brand himself as a pro-crypto populist, quote, give people back control of their money, keep crypto legal and let it thrive, he said on Twitter, Uh, where he also promised to help Canadians take back control of the money from politicians and bankers, end quote. He has also urged people to vote for him in order to make Canada the blockchain capital of the world. Kill me now. Poyevre, or however you pronounce his name, has offered few specifics on how exactly he would make the country a blockchain capital. For now, his goal may be to tap into the surge of interest in crypto among right-wing circles following the occupation of Canada's capital by truckers protesting COVID-19 vaccine mandates earlier this year. As the Globe and Mail noted, he has a long-directed fiery rhetoric at Canada's central bank, blasting it for inflationary policies he claims are debasing the country's money supply, rhetoric often espoused by Bitcoin proponents and many libertarians. His positions on crypto also stand in opposition to those of Trudeau's liberal government, which has taken aggressive measures against the crypto industry following the trucker occupation, including new reporting requirements for transactions over $1,000. It's unclear how his Bitcoin rhetoric will play among ordinary Canadians, many of whom only learned about crypto during the recent trucker upheavals, and who may have come to view it through a partisan lens. This could make it hard for his crypto message to resonate since a large majority of Canadians have in the past rejected his Trump-style populism. Oh, for fuck's sake, y'all. On the other hand, as The Globe notes, Canada has a growing number of tech workers, many of whom are sympathetic to Silicon Valley's libertarian ethos. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That's libertarian ethos in Silicon Valley's... That's funny. Continuing on, the country also has a thriving crypto sector of its own in places like Toronto, the hometown of Ethereum founder Vitalik Buterin, and in Vancouver, which is home to prominent blockchain startups like Dapper Labs and Layer Zero. This means that if he wins the conservative party nomination, his crypto policies could win him support outside of the party's base. For now, he still faces skepticism, including from financial executives like Alexander Beeth, a senior analyst who works in Toronto's financial center at Bay Street. I would say Canadians aren't, as a rule, lining up to be the next El Salvador, said Beeth, referring to the Central uh, Central American country that has made Bitcoin legal tender in a way many regard as coercive. While Poyevre, or whatever, has offered a few specifics on his Bitcoin or crypto policies, he suggested during his visits to the shawarma shop, and that's, by the way, Tahini's. It's okay to actually write the name. It's Tahini's. That's where he was when he bought his shawarma, for fuck's sake for his visit to the shawarma shop, that they would not be heavy handed. Quote, I'm not going to force anybody to use a particular type of cryptocurrency. And as prime minister, I'm simply going to give you the freedom to choose. If you believe that Bitcoin is the best tool for you to transact as store owner Ali has decided, then you can do that. He later added, as long as you follow the same laws and of course pay the same taxes, end quote. So let's go. I'm going to run back up to the top to Jeff John Roberts. Would you please stop being so fucking partisan when you write? Is it possible for you to actually sit down in front of a computer and not hate Trump? Is it possible for you to sit down in front of a computer and actually not lie about the libertarian values of Silicon Valley, which haven't been a thing for 20 years? Is it possible at all to not say anything at all about being right-wing style or left-wing style is it can you just i don't know report what's you know actually happened and not put your stupid wants and needs and your crying baby bullshit crap in front of every single word and sentence that you write my god man please go back to school go take a technical communication and rhetoric course and learn how to argue the other side of the argument that you so dearly love. It will put you in good stead. I guarantee it. Sorry for the rant, y'all, but that just pisses me off. And this is going to piss a lot of other people off. Now, I happen to like Bruce Fenton. He has said some shit in the past that I completely disagree with when it comes to Bitcoin. But I think Bruce Fenton was the only guy to apologize for signing his name to the New York agreement. And for that, I'm going to tell you about this. Bitcoin Magazine's Sham Amick is writing it. Bitcoin advocate Bruce Fenton announces United States Senate candidacy for New Hampshire. Bruce Fenton, a Bitcoin advocate, has announced his candidacy for the United States Senate to represent the state of New Hampshire or New Hampshire, depending on how you pronounce it, Bitcoin Magazine got an exclusive interview. Bruce Fenton previously served as an executive director for the nonprofit Bitcoin Foundation, originally founded in 2012 with the intention of setting the ship right with Bitcoin as scandalous misrepresentation affected its reputation. His early Bitcoin roots allowed Fenton to amass a small fortune preparing him for his eventual self-funded campaign driven by his $5 million injection. After his tenure with the Bitcoin Foundation, Fenton turned his eye to New Hampshire and the Free State Project, which is a political pro-freedom movement that calls for a smaller government and lacks regulatory burdens. This particular group has been widely accepting of Bitcoin and no doubt has served as a muse for Fenton's festering discontent with the status quo. A resistance for traditional systems seems staple to Bitcoiner ideology, which leads to cross feelings regarding the intersection of Bitcoin and politics as some want it to stay political. This was one of the first points Fenton has made. Quote, Bitcoin is not apolitical. Bitcoin is political and has been since its inception. Satoshi understood liberty, freedom, and the problems with the existing fiat system, Fenton stated. Fenton continued to say, quote, Some people say Bitcoin isn't political out of fear of upsetting the other side. Fact is, separating money and state is just as political as separation of church and state uh, how it was hundred, uh, hundreds of years ago, end quote. Fenton went on to discuss how Bitcoin can completely change the way money works and the disruptive nature inherent to the protocol. In discussing the ways Bitcoin represents the change of archaic systems, Fenton said, quote, Bitcoin is voluntary and needs no central point of control to make it work. Bitcoin uses technology to create the next natural evolution in money and how we move value in and out of the world. More broadly, Bitcoin is part of the massive change we are seeing in the world, a change from centralized powers to decentralized powers, end quote. Speaking of change, it was... Very important to pay attention to the changes being pursued by all candidates and not just Fenton. However, Bitcoin Magazine did ask specific to Bitcoin, would Fenton push forward and he gave a succinct reply, quote, I'd like to have the government entirely uninvolved with Bitcoin, end quote. That would seem an obvious answer to Bitcoiners because it is. However, there are still other politicians for and against Bitcoin and this begs the question of what Bitcoiners should demand from politicians. But moreover, what should they demand from Fenton? Quote, Bitcoiners should demand the simple right to run, use, and write code that they want. The government has no place in Bitcoin, he said. I believe Bitcoin is one of the most important innovations in history for peace and human progress. Bitcoiners can demand and expect that all be true to the core principles of this technology and movement, end quote. Quote, democracy is a poor and overhyped system that results in two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner, Fenton declared. We can't achieve freedom with democracy and the founders knew this, which is why they chose a constitutional republic instead. Fenton went on to explain that there becomes a larger issue at hand with the democratically elected officials of a constitutional republic opting not to follow their constitutional origins. He then offered his ideal solution for the system. Quote, the best way to achieve the maximum peace and freedom is to allow voluntary human choice and to avoid force and violence in every possible way. Okay, that's the end of the article. If you haven't looked into the New Hampshire Free State Project, just Google it. Probably be the very first one after the Google ads, you know, destroy, try to destroy your neurology. Uh, you'll find it, New Hampshire Free State Project. It's actually been going on for years. If you haven't heard about it, and this is the first time you've heard about it, it's not that it just popped up. This shit's been going on for, if I remember right, like a decade at minimum, if probably not longer than that generally speaking what the free state project is is that there was a bunch of libertarians that decided that they wanted to take over one state and they needed to start with a state that was going to actually be a little bit easier it's not like they were going to move to california and become like turn it into some kind of libertarian paradise right they knew that shit was dead on the vine so what they did do is they looked for something that was sort of in between being you know liberal and has, but it still has a fairly conservative base inside so that they could try to swing both to the libertarian side and they picked New Hampshire. And what they did is they started pledging that they would move to New Hampshire. And you had hundreds, hundreds of libertarians selling their house in various states across the United States, moved to New Hampshire, and start running for seats starting at the city council and then moving up the chain. And now it looks like Bruce Fenton is heading for, is gonna wanna take one of the top spots for the Free State Project, and that is as senator for New Hampshire in the United States Senate. I don't know what you think about Bruce Fenton, and I'm not going to tell you what to think about Bruce Fenton. You are more than welcome to think whatever the hell you want about Bruce. Again, as far as I know, he's the only guy, and I may be wrong about this, but I don't think I am. He signed the New York agreement, and that New York agreement was to get in Segwit, but it was, we called it Segwit 2X, and this is back in 2017, in case you don't know. Um, it was supposed to double the block, uh, the block size, and then it was supposed to also put in Segwit. It was a miserable failure after we got Segwit in uh, they canceled the letter or they didn't cancel the letter they signed they wrote another letter saying that we the bitcoin foundation is no longer part of this we don't want to do it we're you know but they never said that they were sorry as far as i know except for bruce bruce is the only one that actually signed his name to that freaking letter and actually apologized for causing the problems and it would have been a big problem too because in case you don't know the competing blockchain that was associated with the Segwit2x and Bitcoin Foundation and New York agreement letter failed immediately upon execution because the guy that programmed it apparently had a off by one programming error and the whole thing never even started because it couldn't actually ever see the block number it was supposed to start at because it added one to that block number. So it was always continuously one ahead and it kept waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and if that had been integrated into all of our nodes the entire bitcoin blockchain would have ground to a fucking halt and bruce was the only one that had spine enough to say i was wrong i'm sorry and to tell you the truth i kind of hope bruce wins but we'll have to see how this whole thing goes that's going to do it for the morning roundup dad says jokes. What's the difference between a Scotsman and Walt Disney, a Scotsman wears a kilt and Walt Disney. If you want to support the show and more of the things that I do to bring you the news, the news that you can use, you can do it through podcasting 2.0. You can also do it through Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and podcast. You can just uh, uh, like, you know, a buck a month. That would be cool. Also five-star reviews on Twitter. I'm seeing a bump by the way in listenership We're talking like over the last seven days. Um, Oh, 10 X the amount of listeners. And sometimes I do have to wonder if that's just, you know, SoundCloud taking pity on my, on my poor pathetic podcast and faking some listeners. I don't know if that happens or not, but for whatever reason, I'm getting like a 10x amount of, of listeners. I'd like to to believe that that is real and that uh, you guys are giving five star reviews and and passing you know the name of the, the podcast around to friends and family and stuff. And for that, I appreciate it. I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm and your host home. David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.